Awesome. So thank you for being with us, Jenny, uh, for like joining us in the CX interview series with Chattermill. Uh, it's so nice to have you uh, and looking forward to this conversation. Thank you. This is super cool to be here. Awesome. So yeah, I'd love to start uh, just with uh, easing into the conversation with a cool anecdote that you must have uh, read about or heard about during COVID that you that you found uh, really awesome in terms of the of how companies are responding to this difficult period. Well, there's so many stories out there right now. There's there's a lot of things happening, and I can speak from experience if that's okay. Simply because. Um, you know, working in customer service, the roles that I typically am in, I am like a manager, but I'm also on the front lines. So I am actually talking with customers. And one thing I noticed during COVID is that the email exchanges, the, the timing of those and the length of those was going up. There were more requests for people wanting to talk on the phone, even though we were email only support. And I was thinking about it and I was like, why would, you know, why would suddenly people who are getting their issues resolved still be writing in more, still be sharing, you know, wanting a phone call, um, maybe sharing more about their personal life. And then, duh, like it clicks, like I'm in that same boat. We're all in the same boat. We have limited connection with, with other people right now. And so even if it is a customer service interaction, it's a human to human connection and people need that. And it may be connecting with the person on the cable company or whatever it is like that you need to talk to. And so having an opportunity with the team that I worked with and that I currently work with to actually take that extra time and, you know, even check in with them later on and just see how they are human to human um, and being able to, uh, to really show that like, you care and that you can be there for them in like a real way, not like in like some salesy way, but like totally real. And um, I think that's been the biggest thing that I've noticed. And I, I'm guessing that could be across the board and, and I hope more teams are also given uh, more time to, to connect because we need that so much right now. A hundred percent. I don't think we could have started any better than <laughs> with this. A hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. Awesome. So like, I think it's nice to start the conversation as well, like just talking about you um, and uh, learning more about how you got into CX and uh, what you think are the secrets <laughs> to reaching the top in the CX space like, uh, like you have. Oh my goodness. Well, that's <laughs> I don't think I'm at the top, but, um, but thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I, no one, at least I didn't grow up thinking like, when I grow up, I'm going to be customer experience. Like that was not my plan. I wanted to be an actress, like wanted to be a singer. Um, you know, I went to college, I was an English major and I took a part-time job in a contact center and I had no idea that it would end up being a career for me, um, that I would keep after college. And now I'm going on like, I think it's like 16 years in the industry. So, I mean, like, it is, it's pretty crazy. And I think that I'm still surprised by it sometimes. I'm like, oh, yeah, I never saw this coming. But I really liked uh, the company that I worked for. I really liked the people. And I really liked connecting with customers. And I realized I'm really, you know, not to toot my own horn too much, but I'm good at it. I think a lot of us with these people kind of pleasing skills, maybe that we learned as kids, grow into really successful customer service people. <laughs> and um, 
I just kept at it and I worked my way up to a supervisor, uh, manager, eventually director, and then all kinds of things in between. And um, I just found it fascinating. And then in 2012, a boss, a former boss of mine, which you may know, Jeremy Watkin, he's a big name out there. Uh, he was my boss for a whole decade. He's like my brother from another mother. Uh, and uh, he, uh, he and I started a blog because we realized that we were talking about customer service so much to our family and friends that they were super annoyed and they didn't want to hear it anymore. So we're like, well, we have to have an outlet. So we started customerservicelife.com. And we just started pouring in all of the things that we learned. So it was very authentic. Um, it wasn't marketing. Like we don't do any advertising. We, we did, we did it off of our own budget. Like I think Jeremy bought the domain name himself. Like, you know, so it was very like uh, roots built. Um, and we just share real stories. Um, and from there we started to build community with other people in the industry. And we realized there's people like us and we could talk about this stuff with them. And that really opened our world to so many other opportunities. And I think like, I don't like, there's no like tips or tricks. It's just literally just the same things that we do in customer service, you know, being consistent, um, being true to who we are as humans, but also who we are. Like if we started a blog, it's technically a brand. So who are we as a brand? What are we trying to do with that? What are we trying to put out there? Um, and I think through that and, the connections that we made along the way that has really helped. I know it's helped me in my career and in my personal life, just knowing that like there's an opportunity to share what I've learned. So maybe someone else doesn't have to feel the super awkwardness that I did when I had to make all these mistakes or, um, and then I learn from the other people when they share and I'm like, Oh, I don't have to feel the way that they felt. Um, you know, or maybe I do, but I, we can bond <laughs> together. So <laughs> No, very cool. I took like a lot from there, like the resourcefulness of like figuring everything out yourself uh, and applying the principles of customer service like that we learn from externally, right? And applying internally and learning internally, which is interesting. I'd love to talk about that maybe. Uh, how, like does, does your experience uh, serving your customers, your audience and stuff inform more uh, about how you view customer experience and how you solve problems of customer experience? Or like uh, studying externally uh, weighs more when, when it comes to your approach? Hmm. I think it's probably more internally. I think, I mean, my kind of philosophy about customer service and customer experience is it's just people helping people. And mm -hmm. that for me starts from a very like personal place because, um, oh, sorry about that one. <laughs> <No>. uh, <laughs> it starts from a very personal place just because we're human. And as a kid, you know, a lot of us were taught to, you know, stuff our feelings down and to focus on the feelings of others. And I think that is what makes me great at customer service, but that also is what makes me struggle as well, because, you know, at the end of the day, we still have to take care of ourselves in order to, you know, care for others. So if we don't have the energy to do so, then um, we may not be able to to really support others in the way that maybe they need to be supported. So I think it's kind of this balance between internal and external, but also being true to ourselves. Like we're people too, and we can't do everything. And I've had to learn that uh, like the hard lesson along the way. Absolutely. No, very cool. And this, it's a great segue also to talk about the skill set, right? So at Chattermill, we really think that the next generation of, of growth in companies is going to be fueled by CX and UX. 
like it was in the past for marketing and growth hacking and all these things. Uh, so for young kids that are trying to break into the industry or want to learn more about it, and uh, what, do you, what would you say are the biggest skill sets uh, for, for someone to succeed in CX? Because it seems from you like one of the top ones is empathy, right? Being able to empathize with your own, uh, with your own views and like other people's views and clients' views. So on top of that, like how would you say are the, the main like softs or hard skills that uh, people should work, work towards? Right. Well, I think, you know, we're all kind of, gosh, this is such a, ch a tough question, but I think we all kind of have this baseline that we, you know, it defines our personality in general. Some people are naturally more empathetic than others. Some people are more, um, you know, of a, are focused on um, the very logical aspects of getting things done. And either way, it's great. Like there is an opportunity to help and to solve problems for customers within all of that, whether or not empathy is strong or whether or not logic and all the things. Um, but it's how we use it and it's the actions that we take. So maybe empathy isn't our strongest skill, but we may not be able to just like change that overnight. Like there's no, there's no hacks for these things. So it kind of comes down to like, well, what can we learn about ourselves, you know, by how we want to be treated. So a lot of the times, mm -hmm. like when I train customer service teams, it's not about like, this is what you do for a customer. I usually leave that out. Instead, I say, what would you want to have happen for you in that situation? And when the tables are turned back to themselves and they're like, you know, I'd, I'd expect this, then it's kind of like, oh, well then would the customer expect that? Like, so I think when we turn it back on ourselves, like basically like holding up the mirror in front of our face, I mean, like, you know, how do we want to be treated? Um, that can help us understand like as far as soft skills go, you know, just being like aware that like this will impact the customer experience, how we are responding in this exact situation. Because even, I will say this, even if empathy is one of your highest skills, and even for me, there are days where I'm stressed out and empathy may not be my top strength that particular day. Um, and so, and I think that just goes to show like it's a roller coaster and we're all are, are on that together. Um, as far as hard skills go, there's so much to learn. Um, and I think there are so many, so there's so many more resources out now than there were, you know, gosh, 16 years ago when I started in my career, I had no idea like this was a thing. Like I didn't know it was an industry that was, you know, it sounds so silly, but it was very different then. And so, you know, I would encourage young folks that they are choosing this career path to really use the resources available to them and also join, you know, there's so many Slack communities out there, um, CX Accelerator, Support Driven, um, CX Lite, like there's tons of things out there um, that people can join and just ask questions and start building relationships with other people in the industry who have been down the path um, to learn from them. So really relationship building, use your resources and read a lot, listen to podcasts like this one and um, take a lot of notes, but also be real with yourself and know that like when you're actually in the situation or on the job face to face with the customer, uh, it could be totally different, but you have lots of people behind you that are cheering you on. 100%. Amazing. Like I think this, this ability to be curious and and uh, understand like how to focus on the things that really matter. I think that makes a huge difference, right? But it's like a challenge that all, I feel like most of us go through and it's a learning process on it's, uh, in itself, like to learn how to find the right sources, find the right people to align yourself, find the right companies to commit our time to. Oh, very amazing lesson that, that you passed to us. Uh, thank you for that. 
uh, it'd be great now to dive deeper into customer experience and uh, uh, like uh, an interesting question to debate that I think everyone has uh, their own perspective around is uh, what does customer centricity mean to to you? So uh, yeah, if you would like to explain like what you feel it is, uh, what it, what does it mean to be customer centric? Right. Well, I think to be customer centric is there. I think there's two elements to it because when I look at it, there's internal customers and external customers and the internal customers being your employees. So I think when I use the word customers in this, I am including both. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think it starts at the top of leadership and it has to trickle down to the entire company culture uh, to embody this customer centricity. Um, for everyone um, to take care of your employees, to give them permission to take care of themselves, not that they need permission, but because they're human, they can do that. But like a lot of companies set a lot of policy and boundaries and don't include the right resources and make things really stressful. Um, and so if companies are going to start by taking care of their employees, that has a higher potential to filter out to enhance the customer experience. So I, I think it starts inside. Um, but for the external customer experience, it's literally like, what, what do customers need? Let's listen to what they're actually saying. Um, I hear this so much that it's like, oh, we're going to do this for our customers. And it's like, wait, do they actually need that? Oh, no, no one's asking for it, but we're going to do it anyway. It's like, well, what if we listen to the feedback a little bit more? So I think, um, yeah. So, and then just remembering that we are all human and it's just people having people. Definitely. Definitely. Um, no, I agree. And uh, uh, it's, it's uh, leads us to like an interesting uh, like question and to understand nowadays, which is really relevant. How do companies go about like building that customer centric culture, right? And for the ones that already have it, how do they maintain it through these difficult periods that we're living through? Uh, very volatile and um, yeah, it's hard to be creative and to really uh, put your customers first. Yeah. Wow. That's a loaded question. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, starting with the vision and the mission and everyone being on board with that. Um, there's a great book out there by Jeff Toyster, Service Culture Handbook. That is such a great resource if you don't know where to start with that type of stuff. Um, it literally guides you through step by step. It's something that I've personally used um, in my career that has helped me along the way. Um, and I think you know, it's not the magic answer to have a mission and vision, but it, it is a great foundation to build. And then from there, you know, knowing that this applies to other people in other departments, whether or not those departments, you know, engineers may not feel that they impact the customer experience. They may feel they're far removed. And so communicating that globally across the company in a way that's in a language that everyone understands and how, how they impact, um, but also, you know, looking at like, I guess, like when we think of the time that we're in now, oh, this is, this is where it gets really hard because everyone, well, we're all experiencing the same thing. We're all experiencing it differently and we all have different responses to the same situation. So there's no magic formula. I guess that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of my best advice for knowing that like there's no magic formula to solving um, 
or making someone feel better, right? Like this isn't about feeling better right now. It's literally like, let's just get better at feeling because this isn't going away and it's going to be, it's, it's going to be a little wild out there. And how are we going to work together to support each other internally as a team? And then how are we going to work together as that supportive team to support our customers? And I keep going back to like, you know, taking care of the team because it's so important, especially now if you're working at a company and you feel cold and alone, you're already feeling that way in the world and doesn't really help. Uh, it doesn't really help the case here. So really starting from the inside and um, having the team make sure they are, you know, setting up supportive systems um, that are not like, that are actually built on like what the team needs, not just like these generic things that leadership may throw out that no one really cares about. Definitely. definitely. And it's something that's, like throughout this period, something that I've been noticing uh, is uh, how easy it is for us to lose track of the fundamentals, right? I think one of the major lessons of, uh, of this, uh, of 2020 for all of us is uh, how, how valuable and how, uh, how valuable it is to follow the fundamentals, how much we get out of it if we actually do it consistently and how easy it is to deviate from it because uh, we're living in a world of constant competition and stuff. So it's so insane uh, that, that that happens, which is interesting. Like uh, something that I've been trying to understand more and more is like this idea of offensive versus defensive uh, customer experience. Should, should a customer experience program be offensive in the sense of like, ah, uh, uh, our customer experience engine is the engine for top line growth? Or is customer experience something that is defensive in terms of like efficiency and cost cutting and just making uh, an organization lean? Do you have an opinion on? Uh, on either well i mean looking at it as a cost center or making it lean definitely does not speak to me at all i've seen that flop <laughs> that's that usually goes against any vision that a customer service team may create and then that divides a culture that can damage severely damage a culture and as well as damaging the customer experience when there's continuous cost cutting. Of course, there's going to be things that at some point, yeah, you need to, you know, cut out or trim because it might not be working anymore. But if you are looking at your customer experience team or customer service team as a cost center and you just need to get it lean, you are not going to have very high success. So I definitely look at it, you know, from the um, offense because it's just, it just makes sense for your people. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Okay. Uh, awesome. So moving on from, uh, like these macro type questions, it would be great to talk about, uh, uh, tools. Uh, so CX tools in general, or just, uh, general tools that you use in your day to day. So starting off, like as a CX professional, uh, like what type of recurring problems do you encounter in your day to day that, uh, you would feel like would, would, uh, be easier to solve, uh, with, uh, with the right tool, like. Mm, that's a good question. So I think, um, you know, order issues, one of the companies that I work for, we send out specialty fruit, specialty exotic fruit to customers. And um, this sometimes like our internal um, ordering system will just like it just causes problems and it's really frustrating. And we have to either do hundreds of orders, you know, one by one to make changes or we don't have access to seeing certain things. So if we had a tool to like just streamline that and make it better would that would be amazing. I think another thing 
Um, I mean, I would love a magic wand just to be able to like have my knowledge base written in a heartbeat so I wouldn't have to do it. <laughs> but um, that's not possible. I understand. Uh, <laughs> yet, yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, take it out of my mind and put it onto the system. That would be wonderful. Um, I think the other thing that comes into play is like metrics. I think metrics are so important. They tell a story and um, having a, you know, a system that will measure exactly what you need without too much like, you know, finagling. There's, there's some systems out there that are really, really wonderful, robust systems, but they make their reporting incredibly difficult and there may not be as many resources available to measure or to show you to measure how to measure what you need. And so, um, you know, when it comes to that, it would just be nice to have it be customizable, but also um, simple to customize, if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. And then I think, um, you know, and this is not necessarily something that I use right now, but like AI is huge. It is everywhere. And I, I think that it, that's going to, that's what's happening and that's amazing. But the tools that are being used for AI you know, I, I think like I heard someone, gosh, I feel like I can't remember who it was to quote this, but I did not say this, but they said empathy cannot be automated. And I it's always stuck with me. And so when we look at AI tools, how can we make sure that we are, you know, whether or not it's the right tool, whatever tool we're using, how can we make sure we are using it in the right way and that it's going to support our customers in the way that they need to be supported and also make it easy for the customer service agents to support those customers. So it's kind of the like chain reaction. Like it has to start with the team. Like, is this going to work for us? And then, you know, is it going to work for the customer? And if it's a yes, 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 then yeah, then that's great. <laughs> Definitely. No, absolutely. And it's really interesting to see like the trends of AI really dominating. Uh, it's like, uh, there's an interesting parallel, which like in finance, right. And, and uh, business in general, where analytics has been dominated by, by systems. But uh, then there's also this uh, big objection, which is like, huh, uh, if we have the right humans operating these machines and like playing together, uh, that's where you that's where you nail it. Like like Kasparov, the chess player says, ah, use the computer to train and become a better chess player yourself and then go compete. How do you think about that? And when it comes to tools, do you think AI and machine learning and systems will take over uh, or do you think there will be like a way to blend uh, the human and empathy and those skills that uh, the machine can't replicate yet with, uh, with the machines that we know are so valuable? Uh, that's a great question. And I think that it is going to be a blend. And I think the reason for that is because, again, empathy can't be automated. And at some mm -hmm. point, especially going back to what we were talking about earlier with you know COVID concerns and the whole world being different and the how those experiences impact the customer experience, no matter what company you're at and knowing that there might just be more hand holding or more connections required. And that can't always be done. I, it is possible, but it can't always be done through uh, using an AI tool. Um, I think there's still going to need to be people there to be helping others. Absolutely. Okay. Very cool. Uh, and in terms of in your daily life, is there any, uh, tools and uh, companies that you admire the most that you or like what are the type of features and stuff that you really look for when you're uh, sourcing the right tool to solve a problem 
Hmm. Well, I think the first thing I start with is customer service <laughs> and the customer experience. <laughs> so I go to the website and I request a quote or I request a demo. Like I, it, I have very high expectations. Um, they, it has to fulfill. And if it doesn't, then I do not want to use their service um, at all. <laughs> and I think that same thing applies like with, you know, a platform that you may have. Uh, if you do like a, an add-on or an app, um, knowing that the customer support with that app, anything that we interact with, it has to share a similar vision um, to what mm -hmm. our customer service team shares. Um, so I think that that's important um, as far as like actual tools, like I'm a huge Zendesk fan. They are one of my favorite tools um, and you can really customize that. For uh, one of the companies that I work with, we have very high requirements to reply to um, social media advertisements because um, mm -hmm. I don't want to leave those hanging. And one of the tools that we use to do that as well as our customer inquiries is called Reamaze. So that one, I haven't noticed it being too big out there in the world, but it is a, it's a great tool. It does the trick um, for us. I think um, there's, and I think like, if it's okay to also talk about this, some of the tools and that I, I find out about different things through different online communities or the other people in the customer service industry. Like if I have a mm -hmm. question, I'm like, what, who, who's used what and how does it work for you? Um, and I just like, you know, drop a line in sport driven or CX accelerator. Um, I will get answers and everyone's used something different. And then I could like a buffet and I can kind of pick and choose and see what works best. So it's nice to have recommendations from professionals. And so, um, I definitely, uh, I definitely think those resources to join those communities and have access to asking for free, like is incredible. <laughs> totally. And like, yeah, I'm a big fan of sex accelerator as well. Uh, like for me to learn about the space, it's like, there's almost no better place where you can ask a question and get a response almost, uh, instantly. Um, yeah, completely agree. And the power of referrals really, really helps us, right? It cuts like the time of search and like in half and it's also like an issue uh, there's so many resources you go to g2 crowd you go to uh captera and you can get lost just like sourcing from the for the right tool um awesome absolutely uh yeah so now just uh, it'll be cool to talk about uh so how covid has impacted cx and companies in general and uh looking deeper into the type of problems like that uh covid has uh has caused uh in big business uh, all over the world. Is there any patterns that you've noticed uh, so far about the types of problems that company have been facing and how they could better position themselves to to solve them? Well, I think one of the biggest issues is, you know, employee safety. I think when we look at how fast things have changed, for example, companies that said, no, we can't ever have you work remote, suddenly had to figure it out in like 10 minutes. And now everyone's working remote. And so I think you know, when the employees put the uh, look at safety of their employees, whether it's making it possible for them to work remote um, or if they're in person somewhere, what are the safety protocols? And I think across the board, that's been one of the biggest challenges. And that right there also affects the customer experience because sometimes companies can't do all the things that they used to do now that they're you know, protecting their employees. Um, you know, like at restaurants, for example, it's less people, at least here in California, it's less people inside, um, you know, and so some people might have to wait longer and then they might get angry and, you know, and, and so it just, it, it's the ripple effect of all of these things. But at the core, um, a lot of companies are doing their best to take care of their uh, 
their employees, and then also realizing how that impacts the customer experience and trying to be creative. I've seen so many creative solutions for like how this can can work. I think um, one of the biggest things um, that I've, I've loved is like going to a restaurant and they no longer hand you a menu. They literally say, scan this thing with your phone and it's a sticker on the table. And I'm like, I don't want this to change. This is incredible. Yeah. I never want this to change. And so right there, that experience, I have all the time. I don't have to worry about who had that menu before me, even pre COVID days. Um, you know, it's still gross or kid, smudge it finger smudges and whatever on there so it's absolutely like, yeah right. same yeah. here it was such a big change that i value so much now it's yeah. huge yeah right yeah and it impacts your whole experience you have more time to look at it you know it's updated they're not going to point and say that's not on there because they can update it on their website so something little like that that is is protecting the employees because they don't have to gather menu with your grimy fingers on there anymore like my grimy fingers so they they now and now customers have a better experience. So there's lots of things that they are doing to protect employees while also protecting customers and enhancing the experience. Um, you know, and I'm trying to think of one. Let's see, one where it hasn't gone in the right way. I think, well, I think one that I've personally noticed with customers like we deliver products to customers through FedEx and you know, mm -hmm. FedEx, UPS. Um, and so a lot of those companies have taken extra protocols because these people are going out to people's houses. And I know for a while um, they stopped knocking at customers' doors because it's not safe, right? Like it's just not safe to be that in that close proximity. You don't know if they're going to answer. You don't know if they're wearing a mask. So they stopped knocking at doors and they made it very clear on their website, on the tracking information, but some customers didn't, didn't read that. And so then the package would be delivered they maybe didn't check their tracking. They didn't know it was there. It would sit out. And for us with produce, if it sits out, it can get damaged. And so a lot of people were really angry about this. But when we phrased it, you know, in the way like, well, we trust that FedEx is taking the best care of their employees to make sure that they're safe and that you are safe. It shifted the mindset of like, oh, this sucks to, okay, I get it. And then we would, you know, we'd refund them and whatever and or try, ship them a new product. But um, it added, it made for extra cost, but it's also one of those things where it's like, they had, they had to do it. Like this made sense and this protected their employees. Check your tracking. Like, <laughs> you know, just as, as a consumer, as a customer, like make sure you're on top of it now, maybe even more. And then how can companies make it even easier? So it's like right in your face. Like maybe there's all these extra text message notifications and emails, like here it is, like watch for it. Um, and so there's an opportunity there to make it more obvious if the consumer or customer chooses um, to see it, you can't make everyone read those things. But um, yeah, so those kind of two different examples. Completely agree. And I think it's so like, it's so admirable to see a lot of creative solutions in the space as well, uh, ranging from all kinds of sectors, like from financial services to, to delivery, to restaurants, to really interesting. Uh, and it, like, in that sense, how do you think uh, companies sh should source these creative initiatives? Is there like uh, a way that they should try to emulate other companies? Do you think it, it comes internally? And how do you pass that on to, to the right stakeholders in your company, which is a challenge that a lot of our listeners and a lot of people go through, right? You have these creative ideas, but it's really hard to, to employ them. And now, nowadays, we're all trying to, to help our customers the most and try to get ahead of the game like that. Uh, serving, serving serving them right so we can survive 
uh, and it's sometimes very, very hard. We face a lot of obstacles on the way. Uh, yeah. Do you have any advice for people like that about how to go through it, through this challenge? Gosh, yeah, no, I feel you. Yeah, that is, it's huge and it's so difficult and so frustrating. And I think when it comes to understanding, like starting with the first part of your question is, you know, how do we think of these creative solutions? And a lot of the times, um, you know, state or city, uh, you know, municipalities, uh, states or cities have like guidelines that you have to follow by default. So these laws and regulations have to be followed. So it's always good, you know, start there and see what, you know, what you can work with. Um, but then I think, you know, it kind of just depends on like banding up with the team and, and talking through it. Like, how can we do this creatively? A lot of the time looping in frontline customer service agents who are currently talking to people. I mean, like, oh, this sucks. Like we could do this instead. Um, mm -hmm. And then also maybe, you know, maybe there is a survey to customers or maybe it's some type of research with um you know your audience of how to how what could do what can we do better but looking at other companies is a great way to how is so-and-so doing it how did they do it how can we do that and how can we do it in our own way i don't think there's anything wrong with that especially right now we need to we can learn from each other and not make it i mean i i say this i'm sure this is not right i'm just not a very competitive person but doing it from a way where it's not all about competition how we can do it from like, let's learn from each other, let's use each other as support, and let's just make this happen together, even though we're in the same industry. Um, and, you know, making it personalized to your own brand. Now, as far as like getting approval from stakeholders, ugh, that's such a drag, but it's, you have to do it. And these stakeholders yeah. don't always mean, you know, to do you harm. They need to understand the bottom line, they need to know how it's gonna affect that. And so a lot of the times you have to learn to speak the language of the stakeholder. You can't just go to them and say something like, well, people are going to feel sad. Stakeholder does not care about people feeling sad. <laughs> like they mm -hmm. care about how much money is this going to cost? So you have to learn to understand how your metrics and customer experience are going to tell the story of customers being sad in the language of the stakeholder. So you have to look at it based on like, you know, the amount of time spent on a customer service ticket or phone call, um, is how much money per minute, uh, you know, per whatever it is, money per minute for that agent's salary. And then, mm -hmm. you know, if it's extra long, like measure it up and have numbers. If that's how they, you know, need to communicate, then speak to them in that language and then present it in that way. And you are more likely to get buy-in when you are speaking their language and when you are telling the story that you want to tell in the words that they will actually understand. Definitely. Uh, yeah, it's like the first, uh, I love, I love the tone uh, of the answer. It's like that first uh, law of empathy is like, ask what people want, right? What, what, did, what, they, what are their incentives as, as well, right? If we're uh, looking, looking at hours and stuff, it's better to understand uh, their incentives so we know how to better serve both sides. Um, I think that's phenomenal. Uh, thank you so much, Jenny. Uh, yeah, now just to wrap up and uh, move towards the end of this conversation. It'd be great to talk about learning in general in the space and as a person. Uh, how do you stay on top of your game? Uh, and uh, what type of uh, like sources do you consume? And what type of people do you follow? And yeah, if you'd love, we'd love some, we love book recommendations. Uh, I have, I've seen that uh, most CX people are avid readers. So it'd be lovely to get like some podcast and book recommendations for our audience. 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, there, gosh, there's so many out there. So I will start with service culture handbook is definitely one of my top books. Moments of magic by Shep Hyken is another one that I continuously, it's a resource that I just continuously reference. Um, he across the board has many, many books. Um, and I think they're all wonderful. Um, that particular one is my favorite. Um, resources wise, um, you know, there's so many blogs to read. Um, and that's always a great thing to do, like subscribing to them. So they're in your inbox and you can actually like, you know, you have it filtered for, you, you don't have to go searching around, um, and find the types of leaders that, you know, resonate with you. Cause when you read it that mm -hmm. way, it will click as opposed to just being like, this doesn't make sense. Um, joining the community. So six accelerator or support driven joining the community and having conversations about things, but also reading other people's conversations. Um, doing things in real time, like I see in my chat on Twitter every Tuesday, um, you know, that it's, I think it's Tuesday at uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time. That's a great way mm -hmm. to just like answer questions and start thinking about things differently. I think, I think sometimes we read and we ingest so much information, but we're not actually asking ourselves, what do we think about how we see that? And so a lot of the times I have to step back and be like, okay, that is a great thought. Now, how am I going to, um, you know, understand that how am i going to implement that into my day-to-day -day if i actually want to or not and you know maybe even having conversations about that um so i think that the, those are kind of the best resources that, that i would recommend that i use on the regular basis oh so cool yeah i completely agree it's also the uh, frustration of mine like you read so much and you digest a lot of content and then it's very hard to apply that um so yeah, it's definitely something that uh, we we could all work on. I feel like writing is a great great way to meditate your thoughts around and um, absolutely and getting and getting diverse opinions as well. Like being multidisciplinary, uh, reading stuff like that goes beyond our field of study and our field of work uh, can also be really helpful for like to spark creativity and which is what we all need <laughs> during this right. time. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much, Jenny. Uh, is there any any last thoughts that you'd like to share with the audience? Where can they find you? Um, and yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, you can find me over at uh, customerservicelife.com. And I am also in both CX Accelerator and Support Driven. If you're listening and you join those communities, send me an, a, a direct message. I would love to connect with you. And I am also over on Twitter under Jenny Sue Dempsey. And uh, I look forward to connecting with you all but remember that in order to take the best care of others you must first take the best care of yourself amazing i don't think we can end uh, any better than that <laughs> fantastic thank you so much jenny thank you this is great thank you so much Joe.